What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, guys? This is Mike, and you're listening to episode 17 of the Mike and Dave Podcast. We're really like getting on a roll here. We're almost to 20, and we are about a third of the way through the NBA season. So, you know, we're going to talk about NBA. We've got a couple other segments for you. So I'm excited about it. What's up, guys? This is Dave. And just like last episode, we're going to be starting off with our new segment, Off the Top. Uh, Mike came up with this with the Off the Top prompt last time. So I'm going to be coming up with the one this time for him. And this is what I've got. So, Mike, what I'm going to need you to do is you're going to have five seconds to come up with each of these positions. Okay. We're going to do a starting, we're going to do an NBA starting five plus a sixth man. Doesn't have to be like an actual sixth man, but just be a, whoever you want. And you're going to have five seconds to come up with each player. The caveat is three of these can be all time players and three have to be current players. So you'll just have to figure out which is going to be or which you're going to prioritize. But you're going to have five seconds to come up with each one. Five seconds times six positions is 30 seconds. So are there any like, sorry, I haven't started thinking about it. I'm not cheating that. Is it like, okay. can they be same team? Does the team matter or? Nope. Three all time players, three current players. Okay. I'm ready. Whatever. All right. Okay. Uh, point Steph Curry, small forward, KD. Question If it's a current player, do I have him at his current? how he is now or in his prime right now. Okay. Uh, shooting guard, Jordan, uh, six man, Kobe, uh, let's see center. Center Rudy Gobert. And what am I missing? Power forward. And, I need an all-time, right? Yeah. Power forward, Tim Duncan. Okay. So you said, I think you went a little over the time there, yeah. but uh, that's okay. You did ask a question, a clarifying question in the middle of that. You have Steph, Jordan, KD, Duncan, Rudy Gobert, and Kobe. So you've got your three. So you did get the three all-time players and three current players. How do you feel about that? So when I asked about the, um, I think asking that question threw me off because I was so like ready to go, oh, well, if it's, if it had been like, oh, it's a current player, but in his prime, I was going to go Dwight Howard. And then I just like was focused on that like defensive center. And I was like, crap, I need a, a current center. Go bear. Um, but like that's the only one that I'm not like super proud of. Um, but a starting five of Steph, Jordan, KD, um, Duncan, and then Gobert down low. It doesn't stretch the floor that much, but that's solid, I think. And then Kobe coming off the bench. Yeah, and you can always you could always take out Duncan or Gobert, slide KD to power forward, and then put in Kobe next to Jordan 
in fact, I'd rather do that um, and have Gobert as a sort of six man. I mean, it's playing a little small, but whatever. Um, Duncan, KD, Jordan, and Kobe on the wings and Steph. That feels deadlier. <laughs> Gobert becomes the sixth man out of all players ever. <laughs> Gobert is chosen as the sixth man. <laughs> The all-time starting five plus the six-man. Never say about me that I'm orthodox. <laughs> yeah, that is not what I would have expected, but I think he did pretty well overall. I spent my whole life watching not just current basketball, but like historic basketball. So it's 30 seconds to go from like thousands of players to three of each. But that was a, right. that really got me thinking for a second. Mm-hmm. I figured you would say Steph. I thought you might have said LeBron, but I should have known that you wouldn't have gone that road. The reason I didn't is because I think KD more so than LeBron. I think LeBron's better. Don't get me wrong. KD more so than LeBron plugs in on any team ever. So like he fits a little more seamlessly with Jordan and Kobe. On the court. Yeah, yeah, on the court. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, unintentional shade thrown there. <laughs> huh. um, cool. All right, well, that concludes our opening segment off the top. And when we come back, we're going to go into each of our top three surprises of the NBA season so far. All right, so we're about a third of the way through the 2021 NBA season. And so... We wanted to talk about some things that we maybe didn't see coming. So we each have three surprises so far or things that have surprised us, and that could be good or bad. And so we're just going to run through all these with you. So Dave, let's hear one of the things that surprised you so far. All right. Coming in at number three is how well the Chicago Bulls have immediately gelled um, and the fact that they are as we're recording this at number three in the East um, at, with a record of 17 and 10. Honestly, I think uh, we, we probably said this in the preview for the season. Um, I just wasn't sure exactly how the bulls would fit together with all these new additions. You know, got, you got DeRozan coming in. Vucevic was there the previous year, but still kind of getting uh, acclimated you're bringing in Lonzo, you're bringing in Caruso. And of course, Zach Levine is still there as well. Those are the main guys. And I wasn't sure exactly how these guys would all fit together. You've got some ball dominant players. You've got some, you know, a guy in Zach Levine who is used to being the guy in Chicago. Now he's got somebody like DeRozan there. Um, how, you know, I just wasn't sure exactly how these players were going to gel, but they've, they've really surprised me, which is why they're on this list. Um, you know, they've played really good team basketball. Caruso has been, has, has had much more of an impact than I thought he would have, especially on the defensive end. Um, he's really shown his value and that was a really good pickup for them. DeRozan has played probably the best out of any of their players this season. He's really stepped up his game. I've been very impressed with him. And honestly, one of the main concerns that I had was who is going to play make because we have obviously Lonzo ball. That's one of his calling cards. You've got Zach Levine who has kind of upped his playmaking 
in recent seasons. DeRozan was played as a de facto point guard for a lot of last year for the Spurs. You know, on this team, nobody has is averaging more than five assists on the season, but also their typical starting five, or I guess for their starting five and their sixth man Caruso are are all around four assists a game. So Lonzo has the most at four point nine, but then Levine four point two, DeRozan and Caruso at four point one, Vucevic at three point six. So they're really sharing the ball and sharing those playmaking duties and everybody's touching it. Um and I've just been really impressed with the Bulls so far this year. Coming into the season I was also very intrigued about how this team would would gel. I had them as like one of the most interesting teams. Uh and yeah, just like give a couple numbers to everything that you're talking about, uh, or a couple of things that you're talking about. Caruso is actually tied with Marcus Smart for league leader in steals at 2.2 a game. Uh, DeRozan is number sixth in the league in scoring at 26.4 points a game. And this one shocked me. Zach Levine's right behind him uh, at 26. So like, I guess coming into the season, I was like, okay, DeRozan has always been the guy. And Zach Levine has been the guy for the past few years. And I was honestly expecting them both to like come in at around 20, like 21 points a game, give or take. Like, oh, they'll they'll both be like the two main scorers on the team, but, you know, they'll have to share. No, this is way more production than I was expecting. Uh, so, yeah, great on the Bulls. Like, love to see it. My number three, Franz Wagner. <laughs> I was cr- a bit critical of going into the draft when, he, when we did our draft preview and the just a main, bit yeah the main point of contention i had was that um he was projected as an early first and i had him as like a mid to late first i had him like around that 20 number um he could mess around and get all rookie first team like that's the reality of the situation he's um and that's not that much of my opinion on the rookie leaderboard right now, he's number four on that. Um, it's like Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, uh, Scotty Barnes, him, and Cade Cunningham are like the five right now. So he has a, unless he like falls off, he has a very good chance of being the, being on that all rookie first team. Uh, that's one of the very few bright spots for the Magic right now, who are like 14th in the East. They've only won like five games. But, he he's done well on both the offensive and defensive side. Interestingly enough, he's averaging more points and I think more assists in the NBA than he did his final season at Michigan. So not only has he not lost a step, he's picked up a step going to the NBA. So definitely surprised by that. You know, he's come out and he's he's played really well. That hasn't necessarily translated into wins, but you can't necessarily put that on him. Uh, speaking about the Magic... Mo Bamba, they're finally giving this man a chance. Um, and he's been balling. I think he's in the top five in the NBA in blocks per game so far this season. All right, now moving into my number two surprise on the season. This, this one hurts me a little bit to say because he is one of my favorite players. And I think, Mike, I'll, I don't want to speak for you, but I think he's also one of your favorite players in the NBA as well. It's Damian Lillard. He is. And for a guy who has been nothing but consistent 
for the past several years on the Trailblazers. Probably you you could say the only thing that's been consistent about the Trailblazers over the past several years has been Damian Lillard splashing in threes, leading his team. But this year has just been a struggle for him. And if you if you follow the NBA at all, then you would have heard all types of rumors about Damian Lillard wanting to to leave the organization to go to a, a you know a different team that one could say would be more of a contender. We've heard about him being bandied around in trade talks for Ben Simmons, um, all all sorts of things. Damian Lillard has come out and said none of this is actually true. Of course, there are, people are going to believe what they want to believe, and they think Damian Lillard wants to wants to go. I don't know if all this has been affecting Damian Lillard or not, um, but either off the court or on the court. But for whatever reason, his numbers are down this year. Now, if you look at it in a vacuum, a, the guy's averaging twenty one points, seven and a half assists, four rebounds a game. Like that's a that's a star player. That's a really good season right there. But it's not the Damian Lillard that we've come to know. Right now his scoring is the lowest that it's been since the 2014-2015 season. His percentages are is down especially from 3. He's really been struggling from there. He's shooting below 30% from 3. And this is a guy who's averaged around 36-37% for his career. The past couple seasons, he was hovering around that 40% mark. This is a guy who chucks a lot of threes per game. That was on over 10 attempts per game. But this year, he just can't seem to to find the bottom of the basket. He's dealt with some injuries as well. It's almost become like a lost season for Damian Lillard. And I don't know what's going on with him, but going into the season, I just thought he was going to be the same guy. Uh, the same guy who's who we've seen the past several years be a a force to be reckoned with in Portland, but we just haven't really seen that. And I hate the rumors you were talking about. Like if Lillard wanted to go somewhere and get a ring, he would have done it by now. Honestly, he's already like, how many times does he have to come out and say like, no, I'm interested in staying in Portland and winning a ring here. Don't understand. As for the shooting percentage, uh, the Wilson ball, maybe uh, since they switched from Spalding to Wilson. I don't know. Um, it is tough to watch, though. I I do really like Damian Lillard. I have for a long time. It's because of that loyalty and consistency that he's shown his whole career. But it is hard to watch. But you're right. Definitely surprise him. My number two, the Cleveland Cavaliers have played 28 games, and they have a winning record. Like, what? Uh, and no, you didn't miss anything. LeBron didn't go back to Cleveland again. This team is playing... Largely without Colin Sexton. He's only played like 11 games this season. He had that torn meniscus. It's just that Darius Garland is balling. Uh, Evan Mobley. Uh, I didn't think he, Evan Mobley was going to be bad, but he's playing better than I expected. Uh, Jared Allen is doing really well. Laurie Markinen is fitting in. Uh, this team is just doing unexpectedly well. I Now, <laughs> they're fifth in the East right now. I would not bet on that, like, remaining. Um, I'd be shocked if they made the playoffs. Uh, I expect that, you know, in the remaining 54 games, 
they'll fall off. They're not going to stay four games above 500 this entire season. But still, like, I would have, I would have expected a like six and, you know, six and twenty team or something by now, like six and twenty-two technically. Yeah, a couple things on that. Um, for I think a lot of people raised some eyebrows when they drafted Evan Mobley. They just signed Jared Allen to that big contract. They traded for Laurie Markinen. So now you're looking at like you've got Markinen, Mobley, and Jared Allen all there. Surely you can't play all of them together. Well, apparently you can, because that's what Cleveland's been doing. And they've been having a lot of success. You know, Markinen has dealt with some injuries, but he's actually performing fairly well at that small forward position, which we, he just hadn't really seen too many minutes at um, in the past couple seasons. Also, one name that you didn't mention was Ricky Rubio. What's interesting about Rubio is he's taken it upon himself to try and score the ball more. Uh, he's always pretty much been, at least in the NBA, a guy who is a pass first, uh, you know, flashy passer, high number of assists per game type of guy. But so far he's taking a lot more shots. His scoring average is up and we've seen good results from him. He's always been a talented player. He's just being a little more aggressive and Cleveland is reaping the benefits from that. So that, that, Definitely is a surprising thing to me as well. But going into my number one surprise, it's the Golden State Warriors. I mean, this is a team who Steph dragged kicking and screaming into the play-in tournament last year due to a, what's the right word to describe their roster? Uh, Underwhelming? Might be a nice way to say it. This season, though, with a largely unchanged roster. Now, they're number two in in the West. They have the second best record in all of the NBA. And a lot of this, of course, is because of Steph. The man is probably the front runner for MVP right now. He, at the time of recording this, he's getting really close to breaking Ray Allen's record for most three-pointers made all time. He's, you know, you heard Mike put him in his all-time starting five earlier. Like, we already know what Steph can do. What's more interesting to me about this Warriors team is their defensive improvement. This is a team that, first of all, has the best point differential in the league at plus 12.1 points per game. Not only that, though, They're allowing the fewest points per game of any team in the NBA. They've really just stepped up their game on the defensive end. And you have to credit Draymond. Uh, Draymond's had a really good season for them. You know, in his very weird hybrid role. Draymond, understandably, gets a lot of crap. I give that to him (laughs) fairly regularly. But you got to give him some credit. He is the cornerstone of this Warriors defense and even though most people would say oh it's Steph that's carried them to this record right now they're um they're 21 and 5 it's actually their defense that's been carrying them to to all these wins obviously Steph has had a major part of it too but it's just kind of gone under the radar a little bit and one more thing Jordan Poole 
has come in. Mike's guy at Michigan. He's had a really good season so far. He's averaging over 18 points a game. Three and a half assists, three rebounds. And he's provided some of that secondary scoring that's needed behind Steph. So shout out to him. Shout out to the Warriors for um, getting back to maybe not exactly the dynasty level that they were at before, but almost remaking themselves with this defense. And, you know, Clay's going to come back soon too. Then theoretically, that's going to make it even better. The Warriors have definitely been impressive. I was going to mention Jordan Poole if you didn't. If you remember the first time we did a top five segment back in episode five, Jordan Poole had one of my favorite moments in sports history where he hit that buzzer beater back in 2018 to send us to the Sweet 16. He's been starting all year, doing a very good job of it, shooting 35% from three. Also, over 90% from the free throw line. This is very reliable there, uh, showing that he belongs in those late game situations and, like you were talking about, playing defense. And also, to give Draymond that respect, this is not a good analogy. But I'm gonna do it anyway. Good start. <laughs> you know, you remember a few years back. This was probably like 2014 ish, um, where the Cowboys would run like. Okay, they played Demarco Murray all season, and he led the league in rushing. And then Demarco Murray left, and he like wasn't that good. But all of that season, everyone was like, "Oh, Demarco Murray." I feel like, or but we all we all recognized. Okay, it's not Demarco Murray. It's like there's this offensive line that's like producing or that's the reason they're so successful. Draymond Green is like the unsung reason the Warriors are so successful and not to take away from Steph. Steph's not DeMarco Murray here, but like without like Draymond doesn't do like all the flashy shit. Right. Um, And even like when he gets steals, it's not flashy. Like Matisse Thibel gets flashy steals where he like swoops in the passing lane and just takes off. Draymond Green doesn't do that, but he is that leader. Uh, the communication on defense is because of him. The switching on defense is because of him. And coming from someone that loves defense, like I'm not a big fan of Draymond necessarily, but I'm a fan of his game. My number one. My biggest surprise of the season so far is actually just about one game. The Memphis Grizzlies beat the Thunder by 73 points. <laughs> that that is a straight up ass whooping. They scored 152. Held the Thunder to 79. They almost doubled their score. And this ain't 2K baby. This is like some some wreck shit. Um look, I know that Shea Gilgis Alexander wasn't playing that night. So you might be like, oh, well, the Thunder didn't have their best player. John Morant wasn't playing. What the hell was that? If you're wondering, that is an NBA record. Um, The greatest deficit in NBA history. The previous record was 68. It was the Cavs weirdly beating the Heat. (laughs) That was in the 90s. But... (sighs) 73 points without John Morant. This is a freaking like Jaron Jackson led offense that night. And they won by 73. I like, no matter how many times I say it, it doesn't feel real. And I fact checked this three times, even though I watched the freaking highlights and everything, I knew John Morant didn't play. And I was still like, 
Really? Um, you had to like see all their posts on social media, like ESPN, Sports Center, NBA, whatever. Uh, they were all like, "Not a typo." Nope. Like we know what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, this is the one of the craziest games that I've ever seen. So yeah, it fits in early NBA season surprise. Yeah, the Grizzlies had nine players score in double figures and had an additional player who scored nine points. So they almost had double-digit players scoring double digits, which would have been crazy. Freaking Steven Adams, take more than two shots next time, okay? He went two for two. Feed the big man down low, okay? <laughs> My goodness. And, I mean, I'm not looking at the box score right now. I am. I, I'm I'm positive. Well, then, like, tell me about okay. this. I'm positive he got several offensive rebounds. Steven Adams? Yeah. He had two offensive rebounds. Go back up with it. <laughs> maybe those were his... Maybe those were his two shots. <laughs> we <laughs> those his two attempts. Like, feed him. Yeah. Oh, wait. I, f- I-, I found the issue. He had scored nine points, but he went five of six at the free throw line. Steven! Come on, bro. Put in the work in the gym. <sighs> Go six for six. Perfection. Unbelievable. But yeah, they shot 62.5% as a team. 60 for 96 they shot 52% from three. They had 19 threes. I want to know what Taylor Jenkins was telling the Grizzlies. Like, pour it like on. That, that, yeah, like no sportsmanship. But, like, you know that film day the next day had to be lit. Like, just, wow. We, uh, everyone pinched yourselves. We really just did that. Yeah. What's really funny, though, you know that old saying, like, the best coaches are never satisfied? Imagine being Taylor Jenkins studying that film, like, damn, tomorrow I have to go in and tell them what they did wrong. Yeah. It's like, hey, you guys literally just had the, like, gave the biggest ass whooping in NBA history. We need to do better. So here's one more fun fact, and then we'll wrap up this segment. So Santi Aldama, who is a rookie this year, who was kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting him to actually get drafted in the second round. It was this, it was a whole thing where they, I can't remember exactly what the story was, but he like had some kind of, I think he had some kind of agreement with the Grizzlies that he would sign for them. But like nobody else was, he wasn't even on anybody else's radar when he was playing over in Europe. This man went off for 18 and 10 on the season. He's averaging three points and two rebounds, but that's not all in this game. He went plus 52 (laughs) off the bench. (laughs) The worst plus minus on the team was Brandon Clark, who had a plus 14 and 15 minutes played. (laughs) We had, a plus 46, a couple of plus 42s, plus 39. I mean, it's, that's crazy. Wait, now I need to look at the... Oh my gosh. Jeremiah Robs- Robinson Earl. Oh, oh yeah. boy. 
This man went home. Oh I'm I'm sorry, bro. He went 0 of 7 from the field. He did hit two free throws, so he had two points. Put up five boards. Only one turnover. But he went this this man went minus 56 in 24 minutes of action. I I know you're a rookie this year, but retire. On average, you're getting outscored by two points every minute that you're on the court. But more than that, actually. Wow. Okay, pathetic. Um, there you go. There, there's my biggest surprise. Uh, go watch the highlights of this game if you need a cheap laugh. And if you're not a Thunder fan. <laughs> that wraps up our three surprises each for the NBA season so far. When we come back, we're going to hit you with an old segment, top five. All right, so now we're bringing back one of our favorite segments to record, top five. And this round, we're going to each list our top five favorite jerseys slash uniforms of all time. This can be from any sport, um, any era. Obviously, it's down to just our opinion, our personal preference. But I think we have some honorable mentions to kick it off. I know I have some. I think Mike has some as well. So, Mike, what are your honorable mentions? So first honorable mention, the Seattle Seahawks, the jerseys that they rolled out in 2012, the ones we know now, the dark blue jerseys with the the white and green. Um, Definitely, like, innovative in the sense of, like, a flashier jersey in the NFL. Before that, most teams were doing very basic schemes, and now, like since then, we've seen this like we've seen more like color rushes and like more bright, uh, more vibrant uh, uniforms, especially like teams' alternate jerseys. So I have them just as sort of like leading that charge. And then I wanted to mention the Bengals. I've always liked the Bengals jerseys and pants. I think their helmet is dumb as hell. Like it just doesn't. I don't like the stripes on it. I understand, like, it's a bangle, right? But aesthetically, I just don't like it. Um, I think if they had a simpler helmet, maybe with, like, three stripes down the side or something like that, like, a very, like, three together, straight down, um, then I'd be more in sync with it or something. I like the color combination, and I'm talking about like, their jerseys now and the jerseys that they were wearing like in the 90s and early 2000s. I think it just worked well. I'm just not a fan of the orange helmet with the black stripes. So the Bengals were also going to be one of my honorable mentions. Um, I love the helmets. And the reason for that is that they aren't stripes. They're claw marks. So it's like a big, like it's like a tiger, like got his claw on the helmet and went, you know, like, went from right to left or left to right or whatever on them. That's why I think it's just a little, it's just kind of, it's like, they are like stripes, I guess, but it's just more of like a subtle thing. And then the chargers jerseys as well. I've always been a fan of the chargers jerseys, especially the light blue ones. I just love the, the light blue with the white trim. And then obviously the, yellow slash gold lightning bolt. I just always thought it looked really sick um, from like 2006 version with LT 
balling out in those jerseys to now you see Justin Herbert throwing it down the field. I just think they look really nice. So those are two of my honorable mentions. And then I have a couple other ones that I wanted to mention as well. Um, I wanted to put one soccer one in here because I think soccer has the widest range of jerseys out there. I'm going to pick Real Madrid. Uh, I think there's just something really classic about their white jersey with the gold print and then their their logo, which is really iconic. It's very simple, but it just kind of symbolizes like royalty. Like when you, you look at it and you just think they're going to be good. Um, and that makes sense because they have been one of the most successful teams in the world um, for decades. So it makes sense that they, um, you know, that they would wear something that would be similar to that. Then I also wanted to mention one other one, and it's UCLA. Um, this is both basketball and football. Just that I, <laughs> spoiler alert, a lot of these, I just like blue. So, um, <laughs> but I think that UCLA's color combination is just iconic. Um, whether you're talking about all those UCLA basketball teams that won all those championships with John Wooden back in the day. Um, I know that when I was playing NCAA uh, on Xbox, I, instead of choosing Florida State, the college that I, team that I root for, I chose UCLA because I just loved their uniforms. And it just kind of made it attractive to me. And I've always thought that they just had, had really nice uniforms, both basketball and football. So I wanted to give those a shout out. I definitely like those jerseys that you're talking about. Um, for what it's worth, when I was listing, like initially before I narrowed it down to five, I also had the Chargers. I was like, LT with the lightning bolt. Yeah, that's classic for sure. All right, so now that we've done our honorable mentions, uh, Mike, go ahead and list out numbers five through one for your top five. Okay, so number five, this is a great transition to go from you talking about UCLA. Uh, the LA Lakers. Um, we're going to stay in the same city and for the same reason. I'm talking about their jerseys. For I mean, the jerseys I talked or I selected were from 66 to 99. When they switched over in uh, 2000, there wasn't a, a huge, huge difference. The font got a little bigger, um, but iconic. Um, seeing those jerseys, the purple on gold, just brings me back to Showtime. I say as if I was there. Um, it, it makes me think of the Showtime Lakers, right? It, that is like what iconic is. Uh, when you see the the uniform, you just go, oh yeah, Magic Johnson, uh, etc. So... LA Lakers uh, with their vintage jerseys. Number four, friend Tyler is going to love me for this one. Um, The University of Tennessee Halloween jerseys. They don't wear these very often because they don't always play on Halloween. But they wore them this season. They wore them back in like 2012 maybe uh, against South Carolina. But the black jersey with the the orange uh, numbers, uh, with the white helmet, um, love it. And okay, so when I was doing when I was doing my initial list before I narrowed it down to five, I was naming 
or I was just like putting a bunch of teams out there and I was like going through their history, all that. And it occurred to me, damn, I really just like black jerseys. Um, I don't care who you are. San Diego state, the Falcons, Hawaii, uh, Cincinnati, um, the Lakers with the Hollywood Knights, um, freaking Missouri, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, if you have a black Jersey, I guarantee it's sick. So UGA, you have nice jerseys. Um, the Raiders Raiders. Yeah, sure. Black on silver works. Steelers, uh, Iowa. Uh, <laughs> like if you're listening at home and you're like, you didn't talk about, <laughs> you didn't talk about my team. I have black. Sh- I love your jerseys. Okay. I don't care. I can't think of a black jersey that I don't like. Sorry. Yeah, try it at home. It's tough. <laughs> um, so if you have a black jersey, you're up there for me. Know that it was hard for me to narrow it down. Also, look up the San Diego State jerseys with the red sleeves because those are they almost made it. But I just picked the University of Tennessee one because I know, like, okay, Halloween, like those are like a little more like special, I guess. Um, number three, Atlanta Hawks. And I thought long and hard about which ones, cause I am a big fan of the ones we were rocking in the eighties, uh, from 82 to 92 with Dominique Wilkins. Um, believe it or not, I'm a huge fan of the jerseys we rolled out last season. Uh, the standard white, the reds and the blacks. Um, I think those colors just work really well. It's like super clean. Um, the colors just flow together and and for what it's worth also the the mlk jerseys are sick um so the jerseys that the hawks have been running out love them uh there are plenty of hawks jerseys historically that i've liked um but these take the cake to me i think these are great number two bias i don't care university of michigan the um the blue, uh, the blue and maize, love it. But I actually, this is like the opposite situation of the Bengals. Um, the Michigan helmet is iconic. The winged helmet created in 1938 by, um, by Fritz Chrysler. Uh, first of all, to help, like help the team stand out, like to fans, but also to help the quarterback identify receivers running down the field. Uh, love that history. Also, I know that the fun fact is your thing, but I have a fun fact about Chrysler. He was like the he was the coach that pioneered the two platoon uh, football. Uh, so before then, it was like oh, you had just pretty much a squad that played offense and defense. He was the first to really go. No, let's have a an offensive unit and a defensive unit. That was back in like around 1940. So that's fun number one okay just miami heat have never had a bad uniform at period like every uniform in the heat's history is fire no pun intended it's just fantastic so take your freaking pick i don't care um like if i had to choose one i'm gonna say like their standard whites i guess but like They've had their like three standards, the white, red, and black since like 99. Um, I guess the white is my favorite there, but just going back like 2013, the white hot, fantastic. Um, the, uh, 
the blackout. I can't remember what they called it, but the black on black was sick. Um, the, the Miami like vice wave. Love it. Um, the, the tropical, uh, love it. Um, even like back in the eighties and nineties when they had like the, the red with like the black font on it. Awesome. Love it. Um, so I put Miami at number one because I do not care what Jersey they like roll out on any given game on any given day. It's going to be looking sick. So those are my top five uniforms of all time. Okay. Um, highlights for me there. Um, I agree. The MLK jerseys that the Hawks had were sick. I have a hoodie that's the Hawks logo in like the gold and the black. Um, Miami jerseys are Miami heat jerseys. Definitely are fire pun intended. Um, and spoiler alert that may make it on my top five. (laughs) So I had never heard or seen the Tennessee Halloween jerseys. As soon as you said Tennessee, as soon as you said Tyler, I was like, "Uh Oh, here we go. And then you said Tennessee. And I was like, what? But then you said the Halloween jersey, and I was like, well, let me give it a shot. And then I just looked it up. They are sick. I can confirm. <laughs> um, yeah, I do like those very much. So, all right. Now going into my top five favorite jerseys. Some of these are going to get pretty specific, and that's okay. Number five, we've got the Seattle Mariners. 1994 teal alternate jerseys. But it has to have Ken Griffey Jr. on the back. All right. This is a, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. is the coolest baseball player who has ever lived or probably will ever live. Um, Sorry, Ronald Acuna, uh, but Griffey is the man. um, And this jersey is absolutely sick. I love, I love this teal color. You just don't see a ton of it. I mean, the Miami Dolphins come to mind, but this is a little bit darker than that color is. Um, I just love the way this looks and Ken Griffey, swinging the bat um sweet swing sweet jersey it sneaks into my top five number four as mike was talking about the miami vice heat jerseys i absolutely love these there is no way i could ever pull one of these off but that's okay i just it's so iconically miami and i liked all of the different colorways that they did with the blue and the kind of like pinkish purplish color in the black, uh, they had like four different iterations of those and they were all uh, were just really sick. They just stood out and, you know, they've, they've kind of retired those now, but I don't know why because they were always their best-selling jerseys. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the look of those. Number three, this one's probably the most basic one um, of my top five, but I just love it. The Kansas City Royals, baby blue jerseys. There's just something about that baby blue with the white script on the front that says Royals with the logo on the side with the KC with a little crown on it that just makes it seem like very kind of like what I was talking about with the Real Madrid jerseys, just very regal, like very like, um, like we're the best of the best. Royals haven't been there in quite some time. They did win in like 2015, but um, I just love the look of those. And then, like I said, they've had some iteration of that for the past, however long, um, you can pick any of those that you like. I just love those. They look really nice. Um, number two, 
I'd forgotten about these. And then when I was doing some research, I remembered about them and I just could not take my eyes off of them. It's the 2020, 2021 Hornets city edition jerseys, AKA buzz city. All right. So you're going to see some trends or if you haven't already, you're going to see some trends of these jerseys. Um, I love gold. I love any shade of blue or like blue green. Hence the teal and the bus city jerseys kind of have a little bit more of an aqua color um, or teal aqua. I'm not a, I don't know colors that well, but you get the idea. Um, and it says buzz city on the front. These city edition jerseys that the NBA started doing. I love them. I love having kind of alternate jerseys that they can rock from time to time. Like the MLK ones that the Hawks did. And these ones, the color combination is fantastic. Um, I just thought they knocked these out of the park. The Hornets are what they are. They're actually kind of fun now. Um, and with the Buzz City jerseys on, it's even more fun. Um, I'm just a big fan of these. But number one, I had to put one of my favorite teams on this list. And you already know I had to put my Atlanta Braves at number one. Not just because they're the reigning World Series champions, baby. But also because these jerseys are mwah, chef's kiss 1974 Braves jerseys with the small a you can do the capital a jerseys if you want I think the Braves have a good looking jersey already you can't go wrong with red white and blue I mean that's America at its finest but these 1974 jerseys with the small a Hank Air, this is what they used um for only a few years when they moved to Atlanta this is what Hank Aaron wore when he broke the home run record. And occasionally the Braves will still pull these out as throwbacks. I just love the small A with the the white on the front of the helmet and the blue on the back. Just everything about these, I wish that the Braves would just wear these now instead of what we currently have. But you've got to wear the high socks. This is one of my things about baseball uniforms don't do the long pants where they like fit around your shoes you gotta pull up and have them like around your knees with the high socks it just looks way better that way for as much as I kind of get on people for loving Dansby Swanson and the fact that he's almost more of a marketing tool for the Braves and he is an actual useful baseball player he does model those uniforms very well and he he wears the, the high socks so I got to give him credit for that but yeah those had to be number one for me when we came up with this idea I was like I already know it's going to be number one so that's my top five I've got the Mariners 1994 to alternate Ken Griffey Jr. jersey specifically then I've got the Miami Vice Heat jerseys at number four number three the Kansas City Royals baby blue alternates and number two the Buzz City Hornets jerseys and then number one, those 1974 Braves jerseys. I like that list. Obviously, like as you might expect, I had to Google some of the baseball ones because uh, I just, you know, I couldn't picture them off the top of my head. Um, big fan of those Royals jerseys. Also the Braves ones. Um, but like I could visualize the Braves ones. Um, mm-hmm. But like I had to Google the Kansas City Royals one. Yeah, 100% agree. Those are sick. Um, just to, I guess, recap my list then in short order. Uh, LA Lakers from 66 to 99, uh, University of Tennessee, Halloween black, the Hawks current jerseys, uh, slash MLK city Jersey. Also 
just by the way, agree 100% about what you're saying about the NBA city jerseys. They're almost exclusively fantastic. There's like one or two that are like, aren't doing it for me, but whatever. Uh, number two, the Michigan blue and uh, like blue jerseys and any Miami heat Jersey that you can find. <laughs> um, let us know though, your top five. Um, and we'll do some Googling and like, image search here if you know assuming we're not immediately familiar with them but we'd love to see like some of the jerseys and uniforms that you think are are terrific yeah for sure and we will share links to these on social media or just like just images of what these look like um just so y'all can easily see them because i know that some of these are a little bit more niche some of them are like everybody knows what the michigan jersey looks like but you may not know what the 1994 Ken Griffey Jr. one looks like. So um, we'll, we'll post those on social media and you can go check them out. And then, like Mike said, let us know what your top five um, are. We would love to know. So that wraps up this segment. When we come back, we're going to do the hot seat and my fun fact. It's now time for this episode's edition of the hot seat. And unlike our hot seat, recipient we're not going to waste any time chase claypool from the pittsburgh steelers got a close game you're trying to come back against the minnesota vikings you you catch the ball um for a first down and you don't go out of bounds so the clock is still ticking what better time to celebrate yeah he does this a little like windmill like signaling you know forward for the first down shit while his teammates are running or like trying to get the ball so they can like set up to snap the ball um and like bumps into like eric kendricks among other vikings players um and then they're finally able to like spike the ball from the time that he was down to the time that they spiked the ball this man wasted 14 seconds which left them with 28 seconds to go, and they were at like the 40-ish. So to put in perspective, he blew a third of their time celebrating. In the last minute of the game, when they had to score a touchdown to tie it. It's just like, you know, first the Steelers, um, I can't remember if this was last year or the year before, but had to deal with Juju and his like, stupid ass tiktok dancing and now we get chase claypool with his like stupid celebrations and it's just like i'm just like damn i remember when the steelers had heinz ward and it was like oh yeah consummate professional at receiver the kind of guy you love to have on your team and now mike tomlin has to put up with these children with their like stupid celebrations i mean if you think about it you had antonio brown (laughs) on the Steelers yeah. for quite some time. Fate like yeah. fate doing Facebook live in the locker room while the coach is like talking to the players. And you got Martavis Bryant. Oh, <laughs> I don't even want to go into all he was involved with. You got Juju, you got Chase Claypool. Like this is just a, a becoming a tradition now. Now I I, I do want to say one thing. I think all of these taunting penalties and all this crazy stuff that the NFL has been uh, really honing in on. It's kind of ridiculous. 
Um, there have been several instances where it has made a huge impact on the outcome of the game. And it's not like anybody did anything crazy. It's like, the, I remember this guy, Cassius Marsh, like gets a sack and he starts walking over and he just looks at the other team's bench. Oh, it's a flag. That's taunting. That's unsportsmanlike conduct. This man wasn't even like saying anything. It's ridiculous. Like, it's one thing if somebody's like going over there and doing a pulling a Hingle McCringleberry. Um, you know, pumping three times. If you haven't, if you don't know what, what we're talking about, just Google Hingle McCringleberry. Uh, I'm not going to spell it. Um, or KNPO excessive celebration. Those are easier words to spell. Yeah. Uh, I like to give our, our <laughs> listeners a challenge. Um, no, but anyways, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's one thing to dance in the end zone when you've scored a touchdown like if he'd scored the game tying touchdown with 20 something seconds left, it's one thing dance all you want, but just the situational awareness to understand that like, this is not the time. I just, I don't really understand. And it's like, he's gotten benched for taunting before, like for just kind of making dumb plays. Like he's extremely talented, but Where's, where's your IQ at? Like, keep your head in the game, understand the situation, understand your role. And two things to say. One about Chase Claypool, his excuse for this after the game was like piss poor. He, he literally was like, oh yeah, I got up and the, the ref wasn't immediately there to get the ball from me. So it's not my fault. I'm like, dude, let me, let me, let me just follow that train of logic here. So you, you get up from getting tackled. And you're like, if well, unless I am stopped, I'm gonna do something stupid. Like that's that's literally what you're saying. Like I need a grown man to help me not be an idiot. Right. It's like oh, like the the typical like jump off a cliff thing. There's not a no bay bear sign at this toilet. Therefore, I should drink this water. Um, Perfect example. Chase Claypool, come on, but. Just to talk about the taunting, I have mixed feelings about the taunting, but I 100% agree with you in the sense of, like, if it's not, like, super excessive, then come on. Like, some of these calls that we're seeing are just, like, get real. I I do think, like, there's there are way more fans of football that are, like, upset about the taunting calls uh, than there are, like, yes— Please keep calling those. And with how concerned the NFL has always been about its bottom dollar, it being a business, you'd think they'd go, oh, fans like actually are entertained by like seeing the extra emotion that goes into these plays. Freaking like let them have it. Um, I I don't agree with it. It's um, whenever I played sports, I usually wasn't that type. I let one slip from me like from time to time. Not going to lie. Uh You've seen me do it in speedball, but, um, but in general, I think like, okay, if we've touched on this before in a past episode, the the best, like, if you want someone to stop dancing in your end zone, don't let them in the end zone. So if you don't want some guy dancing over you after he sacked you, don't let him sack the quarterback. If you don't want a guy like doing a first down dance, 
stop him from getting a first down. I think it like breeds competition. The f- the calls that refs should really be focusing on are the actual dangerous ones, like targeting. Right. It's like out of all things to focus on, why are you focusing on the taunting calls? That that's that's my issue. Like if if some and we could take it to the NBA too. Sorry, but that's become a thing there too. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me tee him up. Let me tee him up all the time. It's like okay, where like can we tee up the refs? Like come on. But anyways. I think that that should wrap up our hot seat before we just go down on this whole rabbit hole of taunting and referee. Actually, just the whole rabbit hole of referees in general. Yeah, this is a good place to cut out, to cut off all of that. So take us into your fun fact because we need to go somewhere else. All right. So this is going to be our last episode before Christmas. So I thought it would be only right. To, have, to share a couple of fun facts about Christmas in this, you know, in true holiday spirit. So Paul McCartney, his infamous, famous or infamous, depending on how you look at it, song, Wonderful Christmas Time. Um, if, you, if you're not sure exactly which one I'm talking about, just Google it and you'll, I'm sure you will have heard it. It's a very synthy, very like, not like Paul McCartney. Widely viewed as one of the worst Paul McCartney songs of all time. However, he still earns an estimated $400,000 a year off of that one song alone. And that's not even like that popular of a, of a Christmas song. I don't think it makes me wonder like how much like is surely somebody copyrighted like, or how much money does Mariah Carey make from all I want for Christmas is you every year. That is, I'm sure I could probably find find that out, but that's just a crazy thing to think about. But my favorite fun Christmas fact for the episode, if you have heard of the Santa tracker before, which, you know, it's, they'll say, they'll have it on the news, like, you know, oh, Santa is over Greenland or something, you know. Um, this is how this originated. So... It was born from a misprint in the newspapers. This is 1955. This is a Sears ad. Um, it was supposed to print the number of a store where children could call and tell Santa what they wanted for Christmas. But somehow, and I don't know how they they screwed this up so badly, but they actually printed the number for the hotline of the Director of Operations for the U.S. Continental Air Defense. Which, how do you even... <laughs> Like, how do you mess that up so badly? So they keep, so they start getting all of these calls from all these kids at, you know, this hotline <laughs> for the air defense, right? It's like a ton of people calling 911, but like even worse than 911. And they all just want to like, you know, tell Santa. So this Colonel, Colonel Shoop, I'm just going to choose. That's how it's pronounced. Um, started ordering his staff to give the children updates on the flight coordinates of Santa as like a, you know, a way to remedy this because this is, this had gotten out. Like this was a thing. So a tradition began from this whole fiasco and continues until this day. So NORAD, which stands for the North American aerospace defense command now does this Santa tracker every year it's on the local news, the internet. There's even a special app every Christmas where you can track Santa as he's going about his merry way 
delivering gifts to all of the children. But it all started because somebody just <laughs> screwed up the numbers so poorly in this ad. How crazy is that? That That's so funny. Like, Okay, so they screw up the number. And that means the number that they end up with that you're talking about is completely random. It's always funny like when you see stories like that, like um, one came out like a week ago where it was like, oh yeah, some kid tried to FaceTime his like school group or something and ended up on a FaceTime with someone in the Tampa Bay Bucks locker room. And then they got like all the, I can't remember who the original person that received the call was, but then like other players and like Tom Brady ended up like getting on FaceTime with this kid. I'm like, that that never happens to me. If I ever call a wrong number, it's like Ron in like in his trailer selling meth. He's like, are you the guy? And I'm like, uh, I'm a guy. <laughs> this is a very specific example. You have anything you want to tell the listeners, Mike? Don't be the guy. <laughs> Don't be the guy. Okay. But it's, I don't know. I guess the point I'm trying to make from all this is that like, it's cool that the, the number that they accidentally ended up with ended up being like, ended up linking to someone that was willing to participate in a fun way instead of it just being like some, some random person like just gets flustered and ruins every kid's Christmas. Like, hello, Santa isn't real. And like hangs up. Right. Hypothetically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, so that is going to about wrap up this episode of the Mike and Dave podcast. Pun intended wrap up because it's Christmas coming up. You already know, man. Um, so like I said, this is the last episode before Christmas. So we hope everybody has uh, a great holiday. And we just want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast this year. You know, this is our first year uh, doing this and it's just been a blast. Um, Now, this isn't the last episode of the year. We'll get a little more into that in the next episode, which will actually go out on New Year's Eve um, this year. So keep an eye out for that and we'll do more of the that sappy stuff, I guess, um, on that episode. But still, Merry Christmas to everybody, and thanks for listening. If you're keeping up with college football, you know that the Michigan-Georgia game and the Alabama-Cincinnati game are also on New Year's Eve. So we're going to preview that, or we're going to preview both of those games on our next episode, and obviously that'll come out in time for you to listen to our episode before those games play out. So... Uh, looking forward to making that for you guys. Hope you guys are looking forward to hearing what we have to say about those games. And we'd love to hear what you have to say about those games um, beforehand. Um, maybe like if you have thoughts about those and you want to share those thoughts with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Mike and Dave Pod, then that'll give us some extra stuff to think about and maybe shout out on the next episode. Yeah, and <clears throat> as we mentioned before, uh, we'll be posting links to or images of Uh, our top five favorite jerseys. Uh, So keep an eye out for those. If you're curious to see what these actually look like, if you don't, if you aren't already familiar with them. Uh, But yeah, I was, it was really fun to kind of go through that. It's interesting because it's sports related, but also not sports related at the same time. So it was kind of fun to just do something a little different.
Yeah, definitely. There's no like, we don't have to defend it necessarily. It's just, hey, this is what I like. And now you can tell us what you like. Jersey analysis. Yeah. As always, mention the social media at Mike and Dave Pod, but give us a follow if you haven't already. Uh, we definitely appreciate all of that. And um, like us on or follow us on Spotify, Google Play, or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and give us that five star review. You know, we'd appreciate that as well. And as always, this has been Mike. And this has been Dave. And you've been listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast.